What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne. And today I am going to be going over one player on the trenches for all 32 teams that could make or break their season as a unit. Um, some of these can actually like impact the overall team performance, you know, greater than others. Um, that's kind of a case-by-case basis. But in terms of a unit performance being kind of the key, I wanted to go through all 32 teams and just identify uh, one guy on the offensive line um, for you. So we're going to go ahead and get into this because it's going to be, or it could be at least a pretty lengthy episode and I don't want it to get too wordy. You know, I want to try to keep it concise, but you know, obviously there's, there's a lot to say with some of these guys in terms of context. um, And I really want to give you guys, you know, a lot of insight um, in the smallest amount of time possible. So We'll go ahead and get started here right off the bat with the AFC East. And we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills. So on their offensive line, the key, I think this one's pretty easy. It's right tackle Spencer Brown. Um, So Brown is entering his third season now um, out of Northern Iowa. Third round pick, um, you know, came into the NFL, understandably very raw uh, out of a small FCS school. Um, you know, I, I definitely thought he was wrong. I think, you know, his, his combine performance was you know, outstanding. He tested, you know, as like, as one of, if not the most athletic offensive tackle prospects ever. And I think that that kind of gave him, you know, probably a boost, you know, and some of that is understandably so, but when you watched his film as I did, I mean, he was clearly very raw and, you know, needed some time. Um, so fast forward, here we are in, you know, year three, he has 24 starts under his belt, which is, you know, solid. Um, he's, he's missed some time though. Last year, you know, had a back injury that kept him out of training camp and it kind of derailed, you know, his development a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, this season in the preseason, the first two weeks, I mean, he looks like he's still pretty up and down, um based on what I've seen, especially last week against the Steelers in week two of preseason, you got to see TJ Watt. That didn't go very well. Um, you could tell Spencer Brown's hands uh, are still kind of all over the place. He, you know, he, he does play high. I mean, he's six, eight, you know, almost six, nine. Um, so he, he has that going kind of against him. It's, it's, it's a constant battle to play low, um, you know, and not let his pads get too, too high. Uh, you know, give it, giving easy access uh, to his frame for defenders. Uh, so that was a problem. Um, you saw that more so against Marcus Golden, who's a really quality, you know, rotational edge rusher for the Steelers. He kind of did an inside stab, um, lifted Brown's pads up and just kind of pried him open for easy pressure inside. Um, if not a sack, I don't remember what that was, but uh, you know, and then TJ Watt beat him inside with the spin and beat him outside uh, you know, kind of like a secondary move, um, you know, broke contact clean around the corner. It was like nine and a half, 10 yards, but, you know, so not too, too short of a corner, but I mean, he fell off the block as well, Brown did. So it's just, he just looks very raw, you know, still. And that has kind of been the Achilles heel in some ways of this offense, uh, especially in the high leverage situations um, in the playoffs, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, and then, just just throughout games, you know, it's always kind of, uh, you know, makes you nervous watching the Bills offense if Brown is isolated against any sort of high quality competition. I think that's still going to be the case, um, you know, at least early on. I think that there is a realistic scenario here, considering how, you know, still kind of green Brown is 
um, you know, pretty young as well. Like in his developmental arc, he's still pretty early in it. Um, so I could see this being case where it's like, okay, Brown opens up the season. Um, you, you know, the bills provide, you know, some, some help to him in high leverage situations again, certain competition, especially, you know, don't leave him isolated too much, but enough to get some reps and kind of take his lumps and get better, you know, in the first six weeks being maybe kind of rough. Um, and then, you know, maybe toward the midway point, you see him kind of settle into his technique. I think that's still feasible. Um, I don't know how likely that is, but that's certainly considering, you know, all the factors possible. So that's the hope at least, but as of right now, that is clearly the biggest question on their offensive line. So yeah, that'll be interesting to watch moving forward. We'll go to the Miami dolphins. So this one is a little bit more kind of tricky to pin down um, to me. I'm going to go with Teron Armstead being the, the key, you know, to their offensive line, um, you know, and it's a health related issue, you know, as it usually is with, with Armstead. Um, he's averaging about 12 starts a year over the last five seasons, uh, which isn't, you know, terrible, but it's not, you know, obviously not ideal either. If you're getting an elite to very good, um, you know, a left tackle for 12 games. I mean, I, I think that's probably, you know, extremely valuable. And, and especially for this team based on last year too, when Armstead was out, um, you know, their offensive output, they're, they're just kind of, uh, they, they were just very out of sync. You know, they didn't have the pillar of their offensive line. And, and this season, uh, he is again, the pillar of their offensive line. When they have him, the hierarchy is, is much more, uh, functional, you know, in, in terms of you can kind of, uh, you know, roll and focus and rotate help to that right side, which is really going to need it. And that would have been my one B um, factor is like, what are you going to get out of Austin Jackson or whoever plays right tackle? Cause that right now does not look promising. Um, so, you know, but the fact I, the reason why I went with Armstead here over that is being the key um, is because, you know, when he is in there, at least you have the option of leaving him on an Island, you know, whenever you have to drop back pass. So that is just such an invaluable thing to has to have as an offensive line, excuse me. So, um, he's the key, you know, you need at least 12 games from Armstead this year for this team to reach its full potential. So I think there's a lot riding on that. Um, next we'll go to the new England Patriots. And for their offensive line, this is really kind of like a right side thing as opposed to an individual player because it could go a multitude of directions here. Um, as it stands now, the depth chart has Michael Onwanu at right guard and then Riley Reef at right tackle. That could flip potentially with Reef at guard and Wanu at tackle. I don't see one of their three interior draft picks um, kind of being ready to play uh, right guard right now. Um, CD So is a guy I thought who could you know, develop into a starter in time, but he's playing right tackle this preseason. Doesn't look, you know, too comfortable there, understandably so, but they obviously want to see what they have, see if that's feasible for him to provide some additional value. So I get it, but he does look like a long-term guard. Um, the left side, I think is strong. Trent Brown, uh, David Andrews are the strengths. Cole Strange, I, I think, you know, was definitely very up and down last year, but I think there's makings there of a potential functional solid starter this season, especially in the second half, as long as he can stay healthy and whatnot. But um, the right side, there's just it's just a lot of question marks. So how that sorts itself out will be interesting. I wouldn't rule out 
um, them adding somebody here as well. I don't, I don't know that that's likely, but I've heard some rumblings actually of maybe taking a peek at Dalton Reisner uh, to play guard, to play right guard for them. I mean, I, I wouldn't rule that out, but I, I think the likely scenario is maybe reef at right guard and on Wano at right tackle. That might be their best bet, you know, if they don't sign somebody, but we'll see. I think that's the key though. You know, that's the biggest question to determine kind of where this offensive line goes to kind of set the floor, you know, of, of what they'll be. The last team here in the AFC East is the New York Jets. And this one is based on two preseason games that we have, you know, film same questions that we, that I had when I did my offensive line rankings a few weeks ago for establish the run. Um, and that's the tackle position. You know, I, I think, you know, the, probably the bigger question is right tackle. Um, Cause that, that should be Makai Becton's position to lose. Um, and I think it probably is based, especially because Becton looked pretty good in week two of preseason. Um, but his reliability obviously is, is kind of a total question mark. So uh, you, you know, you don't really know what you're getting there, um, you know, in terms of availability. Uh, so there's just, it's kind of a wild card, you know, and then left tackle, you definitely know what you're getting with Dwayne Brown, a guy with over 200 career starts, one of the most underrated left tackles of the last decade, you know, but he's going to be the oldest starting offensive lineman in the NFL. Uh, him and Jason Kelsey, I believe, are the two oldest. But um, so, you know, he's at the tail end, uh, you know, missed all the training camp, which was kind of a non-factor for a guy with that experience level. I think he made it back for the last day of training camp. Um, you know, I, I think when he's on the field, you know, he's definitely still a solid, you know, functional starter. It's just, uh, is his body going to hold up, you know, for double digit or more games, you know, and hopefully it does, but that's kind of a question mark as well. And then I do like, you know, the, their draft pick out of Pittsburgh, Carter Warren. I think he could actually, you know, potentially start games uh, at left tackle. Uh, I know Max Mitchell played left tackle last week with Beckton at right. So they're kind of cross training him. Um, he's kind of a nice swing tackle type, but yeah, I mean, you really, you know, if I'll put it this way, if, if Becton and Brown are healthy for 10, 12 or more games in that range, this offensive line can be really good. Um, but it's very difficult to have a lot of confidence in that based on all those factors that I outlined. So, um, if I had to pick one player being the key, I'd probably say it's Dwayne Brown, um, just based on his past reliability. Um, if he kind of, if he is the guy there for the bulk of the games, I think you could figure out right tackle. Max Mitchell could probably play it um, like he did last year, you know, at an admirable level, um, you know, as a rookie fourth round pick that is. So, you know, you have options if that's the case, but if Dwayne Brown goes down and then Makai Becton's your best tackle, then it can get, you know, real hairy real quick. So I think Dwayne Brown is the key. And um, that's not the most comforting thing considering his age, but at least you have a guy who has so many skins on the wall, so to speak, that, you know, I'd feel at least okay enough going into the season with him being my, you know, kind of the key, you know? So yeah, hopefully Dwayne Brown is, is ready to go for, for the most, most of the season. All right. So we'll stick in the East here. We'll go to the NFC East. We'll go to the Dallas Cowboys. So you know, looking at this offensive line, um, I think the key here is probably 
Terrence Steele. And I'll tell you why, you know, I mean, I think Tyron Smith is the the other potential option here, his health, you know, depending on how many games he'll play. But I think based on Tyler Smith, the rookie first round pick last year, proving that he can at least play tackle at a solid level, that kind of gives you some assurance if Tyron Smith goes down, you know, and then you could plug maybe one of these younger guys in at left guard, Asim Richards, um, I don't know, Josh Ball or, or somebody. I mean, it, I think it'd be a little bit easier to do that as opposed to if Terrence Steele went down or couldn't, you know, uh, sustain, you know, his availability coming off of a, I think it's a serious knee injury. Um, it's definitely a lower half injury, but uh, yeah, I think it's a knee. So, you know, Steele, I think that's the key because when he's in there, him and Zach Martin form, arguably the best run blocking right side of the offensive line in the entire NFL. So it just elevates your ceiling significantly in the run game, particularly. And, uh, you know, if he goes out, it's just more difficult. There there has to be more moving pieces to fix that. I think I don't see, you know, a reliable backup tackle on this roster. Um, it, you know, aside from moving Tyler Smith out of his spot at left guard. And I don't know that they would do that if Steele went down. So that one to me um, is the key, is Terrence Steele. Um, and then uh, next team here, the New York Giants. Uh, the key here to me uh, is really Evan Neal, uh, right tackle Evan Neal in his second season out of Alabama, you know, top 10 pick last year, uh, very up and down rookie season. Um has a lot of struggles with uh leaning you know he's six seven three hundred and seventy pounds uh tendency to get over aggressive um with his hands and that just really shrinks his margin for error especially against speed rushers um you know a la Hassan reddick uh, in the division for the Eagles so yeah I mean he's gonna have to just improve in his technique so he can get to his spots and pass protection you know build his house be in a good position with good balance and kind of let guys come to him, you know, more so than him going to get guys, because I just think that that isn't his game. You know, when you're, when you're six, seven, you know, three sixty, three seventy, 370, um, you know, I think utilizing, maximizing that size is, is going to be the key for him. And that's going to require patience. And that's a very difficult thing to obtain when you're a young tackle. Um, you know, especially if you're on an Island, which, you know, you don't have to be much in this offense, which is great, um, you know, being a heavy play action offense. But um, nonetheless, there are moments where you have to, you know, take, you know, a pass set at a 45 degree angle and, you know, set in space on a, you know, superior athlete. And to do that, I think it requires a high degree of confidence and patience. Um, now you can pick your spots and be aggressive, but uh, you definitely need to to kind of cultivate that patience trust your technique, trust your strength. Um, so if he can start to do that a little bit more, you know, I think he'll be fine. But right now it based on preseason, based on last season, I, I don't see that as a guarantee right now, you know, which is a little bit disappointing, but um, he, he came in so young at 21, like he's still so early in it that uh, as long as we see some improvement, even if he's not like a good starter, if he's just like, you know, an okay starter, I think that that would be, probably fine. And it would have just really allow this offensive line to take in the next step. If he is just a little bit more reliable, as long as he starts trending in the right direction, I think that that's what you're looking for um, there. But yeah, I think he's definitely the key because 
that's kind of the way their offensive line is built. You know, they don't have a lot of resources dedicated inside. Um, you know, they drafted John Michael Schmitz, you know, in, in the first few rounds this year, you know, he should be fine. Um, but, you know, they have two top 10 picks at tackle. They need Neil to kind of get on that trajectory upward, you know, starting this season. So um, that's, that's critical for them. Uh, so now we'll go to the Eagles here. Um, I think this one's very easy. It's, it's right guard because it's the only new starter that they have on the offensive line after Isaac Siamalu left in free agency to the Steelers. So this is going to be Cam Jurgens as the starter. Uh, you know, Jurgens, to my knowledge, hasn't played in preseason so far. Um, they've just played a lot of backup types there at right guard and then rookie Tyler Steen, who doesn't look ready. You know, frankly, I thought that, that it was, there was a pretty good chance that he probably could get ready, could get spun up at a new position and whatnot under coach Jeff Statlin. But yeah, as of right now, based on preseason, I, I don't think there's any chance that he's going to start. So that's Cam Jurgen's spot, um, which is very interesting because I kind of saw him as a center only guy, you know, as a prospect coming out of Nebraska. But um, that'd be interesting. I mean, man, I, you know, not I'm not going to be the one to doubt Jeff Statlin. So uh, I trust that they're going to feature Cam Jurgens in a similar way as Jason Kelsey. Kind of, I'm, I would imagine they're going to kind of mix and match those guys in terms of who gets out on screens, pin pull, um, just finding ways to get Cam Jurgens on the move because he's a real weapon there. Um, and, you know, there's definitely potential that he's gotten stronger and just better with his technique and anchoring that he can he can be a, an asset or right guard you know, and they can kind of mitigate some of those areas of concern as well. I mean, is he's typically not the the sort of guard that Philly has played. Um, you know, you compare him to Landon Dickerson. I mean, they're like, you know, it's like they're playing two different sports. Um, you know, Dickerson 6'6", 340, you know, and Cam Jurgens is, you know, what is he, 6'3", you know, barely 300 pounds. Um, maybe he's gained weight, you know, at this point. Uh, but you know, he came in as a sub 300 pound center. So that'll be interesting, but I think he is no question the right guard starter. Uh, I just can't see how they go with Steen based on preseason. So, but yeah, I mean, that, that'll be important is, you know, he's going to be playing between two hall of famers and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson or hall of fame caliber guys. So, you know, I, I think they'll probably be fine, but, but he's definitely the key there uh, to probably just determine their, you know, how, how good they can be. Um, so we'll go over to the NFC, or excuse me, stay in the NFC East, finish it out here with the Washington Commanders. Um, this offensive line, I think, is going to be one of the bottom units in the league, although there are some, you know, definitely, you know, a, a route here for them to be more middle of the pack, you know, as things go along. Um, but I would expect definitely below average, honestly. Um, you know, I, I think... A lot of these guys are what they are at this point in their career, aside from Sam Cosme at right guard, who I think, you know, based on preseason, um, you know, he's shown a lot of promise at right guard. He This looks like the spot where he's going to stick as a pro after, you know, being drafted as a tackle out of Texas. So this is his third season. Um, he came in, you know, fairly raw as well as a prospect. Um you know, it was dealt with injury as well. Former second round pick. He's still just 24 years old. Um, his quickness, his ability to redirect, his athletic ability, uh, balance, 
you know, and then the power is there as well. He kind of has all the physical traits that you look for of kind of, you know, a plus starter at guard. I think it's just a matter of time. You know, I think really he's, he's going to develop into a plus starter this season, as long as he's healthy, I'd be kind of surprised if he didn't. Um, So to me, that's really the key here because I mean, Nick Gates at center, you know, Ricky Stromberg, the rookie, you know, could potentially play, you know, center or left guard with Gates playing center or left guard. Sadiq Charles is an option. Chris Paul. I mean, there's going to be kind of a collection of guys at those positions um, with no like bona fide guy, at least not yet. Um, I think Stromberg could potentially be that in the future. Um, Gates, I think, has kind of earned the right to start at center based on his performance in week two of preseason and just kind of his you know, his track record and everything, but, but yeah, I'm going to still just go with the Sam Cosme here because if you, you know, by the midway point of the season or so have a, you know, a dude at right guard, I mean, wow, that'd be a huge plus for this season, in my opinion, because, you know, everybody else, it just kind of is what they are, you know, at this point, I mean, Andrew Wiley is a below average starter, Charles Leno's an average starter uh, at your tackle spots, um, you know, and at guard, you have average starters, you know, at best right now, probably Nick Gates kind of brings you some plus traits, but Sadiq Charles is talented, but can he stay healthy? It's like, you know, there, there's just a lot of questions. So Sam Cosme to me, I think is, you know, a potential building block piece, you know, so that, that that's going to be really interesting there. Uh, moving on to the AFC North, going and start it off here with the Baltimore Ravens. And this one is also very straightforward. It is uh, the left guard position, what you're going to get out of Johnson, John Simpson, uh, who who they signed from the Raiders. Um, I think this is just his fourth season, so he's still you know pretty early in his career. Um, very easy to see what he offers. The former fourth-round pick is a big, powerful, tone-setting presence um, who is going to struggle to connect and mirror you know, high-quality interior rushers. That's just kind of what he is. Um, and, but that's totally completely fine on this offensive line. He's the fifth best starter. Uh, this is a good, you know, very good, very good offensive line, uh, for the five starters are set in stone. Um, you know, and based on preseason, there's no question in my mind that John Simpson will be the starter. Um, so yeah, that's a fine fifth starter, you know, on your offensive line to me, it's just, you know, he's got to stay healthy. Um, if not, I'd imagine, um, Patrick McCarry would probably play left guard there. He's a very different player. Maybe they try Ben Cleveland there. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I would think McCarry would be the backup. But Simpson's the key, you know, as long as he could stay healthy, I think this offensive line is going to be really good with him being the quote-unquote weak link. You know, trust me, you could do worse than that. So, And he has clear pluses that he brings with the, you know, size, power element and kind of competitive toughness, demeanor. So, but he is the key. He's kind of the one... The, the only real question mark on the offensive line. So uh, moving on to the Bengals. So key here, I think, has definitely got to be Jonah Williams at right tackle, um, who's looked good in preseason. Um, you know, Jonah Williams looked really good in 2021 at left tackle and then took a step back uh, while battling some knee issues, I believe, uh, last season, um, you know, which led them to acquire Orlando Brown. Um, I think Jonah Williams could be a good starter at right tackle like he was in 2021 at left tackle. Um, 
think it was just kind of a matter of time for him to just get healthy and get familiar with the position again after playing there as a true freshman in Alabama several years ago. I don't think he's played there since. So, uh, but at least he has you know, some experience doing it at a high level in college, at least. Uh, but yeah, I think if Jonah Williams is, you know, even just average, um, this offensive line could be good, you know, like middle of the pack, uh, if not a little bit better, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, so yeah, I think Jonah Williams is really a key here because you do not have another option behind Jonah Williams until Lael Collins is, is back. And even then, I mean, I wouldn't feel great about that. He just, unfortunately, injuries have kind of, you know, ended his career, you know, at least kind of like the ceiling of where his career could have been, you know, which is really unfortunate, but um, moving on to the Cleveland Browns, who I think one of the five best offensive lines in the league. So it's really hard to kind of pick a question here. I think you kind of got to go with Jedrick Wills, a left tackle who's been, you know, up and down over his first few years in the league. Um, honestly, it looks like, you know, and this is, hindsight 2020 partly but um based on just how he looked at Alabama and how he looks in the NFL he's had flashes at left tackle of what he looked like at right tackle at Alabama and kind of what you envisioned him being as a prospect but technique is is very inconsistent footwork hands pad level uh, getting to proper landmarks not oversetting guys um things like that are just kind of persistently popping up with him um I don't know you know exactly what you could attribute that to, but I part of me does wonder, man, is he should he have just stuck at right tackle? You know, um, that looked like his best position. You know, coming out of college, sometimes when you move the college guys when they're very young, you know, over a position, over from a position that they played, you know, their entire college career or the bulk of their college career. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So far, it. You know, it's it's just been kind of a mixed bag. Um, so this is a really big year for Jedrick Wills, I think, and just kind of his future, you know, if he's playing for the Browns. Um, you know, kind of it, it this is gonna this is kind of a a breaking point in, in in a way. Not not necessarily a breaking point, but just kind of a pivot point for him, like which way is he gonna go, you know, and I think this year will tell us that. So uh, there's really no excuses at this point, you know, for him not to become a more consistent player with his technique. Uh, you know, he's playing for who I think is un unequivocally one of the three, two or three best offensive line coaches in the game and Bill Callahan, a great assistant offensive line coach as well. Um, and in Scott Peters, and then you're also playing next to a perennial all pro left guard and Joel Batonio. I mean, you know, the red carpet is out for you to just walk down it to become a consistent player. You know, you just gotta, you know, really just focus on the technique and get better. Um, more consistent that is. So the physical traits are there none of that's changed. So we'll see. Um, but he's definitely the key because if he becomes more consistent, this offensive line could be the best unit in the league. Uh, you know, it's just, yeah, that, that's kind of what's holding them back from getting there. But even if he is what he is, what he has been the last few years is still going to be one of the five best units in the game. Uh, so moving on to the Steelers who are a little bit more interesting here because there's more variance. Um, you can go a number of different ways this on this offensive line. You know, I, I think with the Steelers offensive line, I'm going into the season, especially if you're looking at pass protection, 
I think this is going to be a well below average offensive line in that regard. I think there'll be better run blockers for sure. Um, you know, I think the key is probably I'm going to go with right tackle uh, Chuck Wuma Okorafor, who, you know, Chucks, I think people call him. Uh, but Okorafor, you know, is a guy who, I mean, they paid him a couple years ago, I think. Like, I just think he's he's ideally like a swing, like in my opinion. I, I just very inconsistent in pass protection. I would not be surprised, you know, in week 10 if Dan Moore is not playing right tackle and Broderick Jones is playing left, the rookie uh, first-round pick from Georgia. As it stands right now, Broderick Jones is going to be the swing. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I think a core four being the key, you know, and I just mean, is is there somewhere else for his game to go? I don't think that there is based on his last couple of years of tape. I just think this is what he is. Um but we'll see, you know, I just think his performance is going to be telling because it could, it could be kind of a, a, you know, the start of a ripple effect on the rest of the offensive line. We could potentially see multiple starters changing if he doesn't play well. Um, there are some questions on the interior as well. Um, not as much as last year though. I think they solidified it. Now they have a little bit of depth as well. Um, so they should be a fine interior, you know, good, maybe even, uh, especially in the run game. Pass protection is the big question. Uh, really, with James Daniels and pass protection is what I want to see this year. But um, yeah, Acorafor is the one. He's the biggest question mark to me. So you know, and and it has a lot of ramifications there. I think for them as well. All right, moving on to the NFC North, we're going to go to the Chicago Bears, and this one biggest question for their offensive line. I think this season is gotta be especially with long-term implications i'm gonna go braxton jones um so and the reason for that is you know last year rookie fifth round pick performed well you know definitely a plus run blocker but pass protection was very up and down maybe even worse than that just not very good um i didn't think especially when you isolated him uh, on any kind of drop back pass um, where he's isolated in the matchup, you know, where he doesn't have any sort of help, you know, no play action, RPO, things like that. Um, in this system, based on how I expect them to play, um, we could be coming out of this year thinking Braxton Jones is a long-term starter just because I think this is going to be a, a run-heavy offense again. Um, you know, I think if they're smart, that's the way they're going to build it. This offensive line is built to run the ball. The, the entire offense is, you know, in my opinion, um, you know, ideally you want to see Justin Fields throw the ball more at a higher level than they did last year, which where it was terrible, um, you know, with just a couple flashes, but like pocket presence, you want to see improve, which was really bad. You want to see the pass protection improve, but I just don't think this offensive line is built to be a unit that you rely on for pass protection. This is a downhill run the ball play action RPO offensive line. And I think they could be really good at it. Um, but Braxton Jones is the key to me because I want to see in those, you know, isolated, you know, type of situations, high leverage, obvious pass money down, whatever you want to call it type of scenarios where he has to take a pass set without help against a good player and just win one-on-one. -on -one. Like I want to see him get better there. And I think how he does in those scenarios is going to be huge, you know, to determine 
where this offense goes, where it can go, what kind of concepts they can run, what kind of concepts they can't run. You know, I think Braxton Jones a lot kind of hinges on on that. Um, but yeah, he, it's really nice that you have a fifth round tackle in his second year who has clear strengths as a run blocker. That's awesome. So um, definitely hope he he continues to develop. I just, um, based on my evaluation of him coming out of the Southern Utah, I'm not sure how much better his pass protection can get. So uh, very, very interested in that. Detroit Lions is our next. Um, biggest question here is, I'd, I'd probably say it's it's got to be right guard. And, you know, they have Graham Glasgow uh, and they have Vitae, you know, who, who hurt his back last year and missed, I think, almost the entire year. Um, you know, what are they going to get at right guard? You know, you know, at this point on the depth chart on our lads, you know, Graham Glasgow is first team right guard. I think that's fine. If he's your fifth best starter, I mean, hey, let's go. <laughs> you know, you you got a really good offensive line if he's your fifth best um, you know, if he's your fourth or your third, you know, that's different, but like he was in Denver, uh, for a stretch, but yeah, here it's just, you know, can these guys stay healthy? You know, I mean, Glasgow has, you know, pretty substantial amount of injuries on, you know, wear and tear on his body. Vitae does as well. Um, so, you know, and right guard last year was kind of an issue for them, um, because of those injuries. And I don't know how much that changes. Now you just have two guys with injury history as opposed to one, um, but that's better, you know, maybe you get half and half from them, right? You know, you get eight games from one, nine games from the other, whatever. I mean, it's probably not going to work out that way, but um, maybe you get 10 and 10 and nine or 10 and seven or whatever. But um, yeah, I think the right guard is, is easily the the only question mark on the offensive line. Um, and I will kind of throw a little, you know, one B out there and that's what center Frank Ragnell, who has, from what I gather, a very serious foot condition. Um, I don't think it's a Les Frank injury. It's some some version of maybe a Les Frank turf toe, um, uh, plantar fasciitis. It's something like that where he's basically came out and said like it's it's inoperable. Like you can't really fix it. You just kind of got to play with it. Um, he played through a lot of pain last year for to play the majority of the season. Um, but it's one of those things that, you know, it, I'm afraid to say it might kind of keep rag now from, you know, fulfilling his, you know, sky high potential of being a long, long-term plus pro bowl type of guy. And I'm just very interested to see how this season goes, um, based on last season and it, you know, seemingly bothering him very much and keeping him out of practice and stuff like that. I just don't know how sustainable that will be for him. Um, so hopefully that's a non-factor this year, but that's something to keep an eye out as well on. Um, so moving on to the Green Bay Packers, this one's really fun to talk about because they have some questions here at center and right tackle, um, you know, in terms of who's going to play those positions. It's kind of, a, you know, a four-man race, I think, you know, between Josh Myers, Zach Tom, Yash Nijman, um, Neiman, and uh, Rashid Walker, I think even could potentially play right. Um, just what happens there? Um, if I had to isolate it to one, I'd probably go uh, center just because I think that has almost more weight to it in a sense because of Josh Myers, you know, coming in as, you know, what was he? Uh, I think he was a second round pick. Um, so, you know, pretty high expectations for him, you know, coming in. And now he's kind of battling for the job with Zach Tom um, It is definitely a concern. And then if Tom does take the center spot, now right tackle 
you know, it's going to be Neiman or Rashid Walker, who Rashid Walker is actually a guy I really like coming out of Penn State. Um, the fact they got him in the seventh, I thought was one of the best values in that class offensive line wise. Um, so that'd be really cool to see him get the opportunity. Um, but I think that they can make it work at right tackle. You know, I just think the center one is so interesting because of the Myers dynamic there and him just not um, polishing up his technique and his leverage pad level. The things that were a concern coming out of Ohio State as a guy who uh, played in high school in the triple option, I believe, um, or I think it was a wing T, something like that. Like they ran the ball all the time. Um, and he's a taller center, you know, so he has these challenges with leverage and staying, you know, you know, staying low enough to maintain leverage on guys. And he fell off a lot of blocks at Ohio State. Um, that was kind of in my scouting report as well as being his, you know, Achilles heel as a pro. And it's still been that, um, you know, to me, I've seen him fall off a lot of blocks and things like that. So the fact that he just can't kind of, you know, or hasn't been able to kind of get over that hurdle yet to me is the most interesting element of the offensive line um so it'll be very interesting to see uh how that shakes out um there so last team here in the nfc north and that's going to be the minnesota vikings so they have some legit questions i think at both guard spots with ezra cleveland and ed ingram you know they still could potentially sign a dalton reisner to play left guard which i think would help um a little bit you know, not a lot, but a little bit, give them a little bit more consistency, at least, especially in pass protection, um, you know, compared to Ezra Cleveland, that is. Ed Ingram had a, you know, not a good rookie year last year. Head was spinning. Um, it was a mental thing to me more than anything. If the game can just slow down for him a l just a little bit, you know, then we could start to see some of those physical traits shine, um, I think. But man, you know, he just, uh, he has based on last season, a long way to go. Um, so if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with Ed Ingram because left guard, you know, maybe Chris Reed can get in there, you know, potentially. I mean, Cleveland, one thing about Cleveland is he is one of the most physical presences in pass protection when he's uncovered. I mean, he delivers some bone-crushing hits to clear the pocket uh, when he's uncovered, finding work. I think that's really a cool element of his game. He And some of that power translates to the run game. Um, you know, really good athlete. Like I, I still, you know, kind of have some hope there for him, you know, kind of climbing some of those hurdles of inconsistencies and, you know, being a little bit better. But Ed Ingram is the one, like, he can kind of make or break the offensive line more so. Um, they just need him to get more even, you know, adequate below average and then get into average solid and maybe you know at the end of the year it's like oh yeah maybe this guy can be a, a plus starter you know in 2024 um that's the kind of ideal you know pathway um but just as long as we start seeing the trend in the right direction like i talked about with evan neal you know you just want to start seeing improvement is really all um and that's not a, a high bar to clear you know based on his tape last year so um, I liked Ingram coming out uh, as a day two pick. You know, I thought he, the physical traits, you know, were very enticing. And then also even, you know, senior bowl one-on-ones and, you know, the one-on-one -on -one situations he had on tape at LSU and pass protection, his ability to recover some of that recovery balance at his size was very impressive. Those are some of the things I liked, but none of that really matters if you're not executing assignments mentally, right? You're not getting to the right spot at the right time. And, you know, seeing things well. So 
um, that's one of the things, I mean, that is the thing that just has to get a little bit better for him and, and then eventually a lot better, but we just have to start seeing it trend upward there. So I think he's really the key for the Minnesota Vikings to kind of reach their full potential as, you know, a, a middle of the pack offensive line this year, I think. 